coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. When Marge Simpson gets two big enhancements. Mom! It's the biggest thing to ever hit Springfield. Animation Domination presents a quadruple feature. That'll make you laugh so hard, you're going to get abs of steel. These are your cities. It's going to Durango and telling stories. It's going to Julesburg and telling stories. These are your neighbors. CBS 4. The fate of the world is in their hands. Something happened to me. They just don't know it yet. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain a video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, reading IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. Uh, we have an injured voice artist with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so honored to have on the Middle Class VO podcast today, Joe Cipriano. Oh, my One of the gosh. best guys in the business. Joe, welcome aboard. How well, are you, man? Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Kevin and Bobby. Thank you so much. How are you doing? We are good, and Great. we're so glad to have you on the Middle Class VO podcast. I, I know it's been a hot minute since we've seen you. I guess in L.A. we uh, saw you uh, in yep. November. Yes, when you guys picked up your podcast award at uh, Sovis, which was very exciting. Woo-hoo! Oh, yes. Thank you so much. That was uh, so cool. And, uh, Joe, we're here to talk about uh, the life and times of Joe Cipriano. Oh, my gosh. On the Middle Class VO. Yeah, it's yes. going to be very exciting. Let me uh, let me kind of run down a couple of things. Okay. Uh, um, you know, Joe, you, you've been doing this a long time. You you started out as a radio disc jockey. Most everybody knows your backstory. Uh-huh. Uh, not everybody knows that you were on such big productions as The Seduction of Joe Tynan. <laughs> they don't know that you... What? <laughs> they d- that's a, that's an Alan Alda movie. It was actually, I think, his first movie. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. I was... Uh, uh, you know, the funny thing, a, a quick story. My One of my best friends, Stoney Richards... Uh, he and I worked together in Washington, D.C. We were working at WKYS, and I think we both got fired. I think he got fired first. He was doing mornings. Then I was doing middays, uh, and then uh, about a month later, I got fired because they changed format and went to jazz. And wow. they, they wanted me to be mellow, and, and so I tried. I tried being mellow. And doing the jazz format, and everybody just thinks this this is definitely not working. So, uh, and we were in in Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, you know. And uh, gosh, I've I've been in uh, SAG and AFTRA since the mid seventies, you know, when I moved to mm-hmm. DC. So there was a movie that was being shot in Baltimore, and it was Alden Alda's first movie, uh, Seduction of Joe Tynan. They were looking for extras. Stoney and I. Uh, went and audition, and we we uh, got the job, and we worked on it for. I think we worked on it for about a week. We had to go up to Baltimore, and it was uh, Meryl Streep's first starring role. That's how long ago it was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Meryl Streep was amazing. amazing. She sat with uh, all of us, all of the extras, uh, when we would break for lunch. Um, because she really? wasn't used to being a, a star, you know, she didn't think that she fit in sitting over by Alan Alda, I guess. So she, she hung with <laughs> all cool. of us extras. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, how times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Uh, Joe has also, uh, done announcing work for, uh, married with children, mm-hmm. uh, 
in a, in a world, of course, uh, the, the cool project uh, Iron Chef America, the um, oh the uh, oh crap, I'm, I'm the the Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Uh-huh. I mean, just on and on and on, and of course the CBS promos, the Fox mm-hmm. promos, uh, ad nauseum. As a matter of <laughs> no, we, Joe, I was never just... nauseated by the, by doing those promos. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody was clearly because you kept getting booked for those, and uh, the world is a the world is a better place for it, Joe. And, uh, oh, isn't that nice? It, it, again, Joe is one of the the great people in our uh, voiceover universe. And Joe, thanks uh, again for being on the Middle Class Video Podcast. Um, let's let's go back to some of the early days um, from when you went from radio to voiceover full time. What are some of the obstacles that you can recall facing and uh, anything you might have done different uh, for somebody that might be making that transition nowadays? Yeah, I mean, when and I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, I I started to work uh, outside of the radio station. There was a a very cool ad agency called the Denenberg Agency that started uh, reaching out to me to voice some classy spots, you know, for upscale department stores and there was some uh, some auto and things like that and at the time i mean we're talking this is like around 77 uh and, and it's also um a regional market washington dc it's the eighth largest market in the in the country so a lot mm-hmm. of the voiceover work kind of mirrored what you were doing in radio it was like you were presenting you weren't uh trying to be you know um a, a dad or trying to play the part of uh, of someone, you were really pretty much a spokesperson. So the background of radio really worked for that. And so I, I started to find that I was doing a lot of work, um, you know, for the Denenberg Agency and, and for, uh, uh, for the government in public service announcements and things like that. And it was about that time that I became aware of the big voices of network television like Ernie Anderson and Danny Dark and mm-hmm. all those guys that were in Los Angeles. And I realized that we're not going to, I'm not going to get national work. And so like, I really want to get into this network thing. And I figured you got to do either New York City or Los Angeles. And uh, Ann and I, who Ann was working with me at, uh, at NBC, she was a news writer, producer, later went over Ann to Cipriano, Cipriano, Joe's yes. wife, yes. of course. And, uh, she uh, she and I took a trip. We we took 10 days. We spent five days in New York City, five days in Los Angeles, and we were going to decide where we're going to go. And, of course, it was wintertime, and I was kind of pushing <laughs> for Los Angeles. I, I chose think? winter, you know, and we went to uh, New York, and we uh, froze our buns off in, in New York City, but loved it. But then uh, hopped on a plane and flew to Los Angeles, and I had set up uh, – a Mercedes 450 SL convertible to rent, you know, to drive around uh, uh, uh-huh. on, on Pacific Coast Highway. So I kind of pushed it a, a bit yeah. and, and, and a fell I would for call it, this so. more plotting, Joe. <laughs> this is more plotting. <laughs> right. So we ended up deciding we would go to uh, to L.A. And, and you know, the, the whole thing that you're asking about, Kevin, it, it, that change, I mean, I, I was very aware of that, that I still sounded like uh, a guy on the radio rather than a voiceover artist. And that was something that was very, very difficult for any of us that work in radio to, number one, hear it, to understand what it is, because a lot of times we don't hear it in ourselves. And it uh, took a lot of classes, a lot of um, workshops, and, and uh, 
I think uh, I never really lost it, but I was lucky that I found promos where having timing and having a kind of a radio background really helps. And and I was very lucky to kind of fall into that. So so you were kind of one of the, you know, earlier people you hear never put your uh, eggs in one basket. I mean, you were kind of trying different genres all along. Was that something that you just felt like you had to or your agent was asking you to do it? Yeah. I mean, you added image, radio imaging eventually? Sure. Yeah. No, that's true. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm always <laughs> – whenever I talk to anybody about voiceover, um, uh, I say, listen – you put as much time as you can into it. You you have to go 100% into it, but you also have to live. So I, I was always a big proponent of keeping the day job. And, and I decided that, you know, I can, I can do this and I've got radio as a day job and I can be on the air four or five hours a day. And, and the rest of the day and evening, you know, I can uh, dedicate to pursuing voiceover. So, I, I was really big on once I, I started to work in voiceovers in Los Angeles and started to get an agent and I worked on some network um, spots for uh, ABC at the time. This is early 80s. Uh, I did uh, a bunch of trailers, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Porky's, Bachelor Party. I mean, a bunch of these teen movies uh, that I was That's doing the, the voiceover for, <laughs> but I never trusted it. I never trusted voiceover enough to say, okay, I'm going to give up radio and I'm going to jump into it uh, full time. And, and I waited 10 years. Um, you wow. know, I was working, but it wasn't enough to really depend on. And it wasn't until uh, Fox picked me up as the voice of their network of all of their comedies in 1988 that then I was making a living that was, you know, multiple times more than what I was getting in radio, but I still didn't trust it. Uh, you know, I did not want to put all my yeah. eggs in one basket. And I waited two years before I, I finally walked away from radio and was in voiceover full time. Want to talk a little bit about what's going on. We've talked about the history a little bit. Uh, want to talk a little bit about um, the state of voiceover today. And I, I know Bobby had a, a really important question about uh, what's going on in the state of voiceover today. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just curious. When you think about, you know, how you got your start in voiceover, how do you view that, your voiceover past, compared to today with the onslaught of the mm. pay-to-plays and the yeah. home studios and the production houses? I mean, did you obviously knew you were probably going to have to kind of make a turn there, but how do you view the whole thing, the whole change? Well, uh, you know, and, and, and you know it, we all know it, how, how different uh, it is now. I mean, there are a couple of ways to to look at it. Um, first of all, it's it's extremely competitive, and um, you're up against so many people that want to do what you want to do or that w what you are doing, and and so the competition is ridiculous right now uh, because it used to be for me if we just pick promos, network promos. Well, there is only one thing to do. You had to move to Los Angeles and you had to get good, you know, and then you had to get mm -hmm. good and lucky and and maybe you know, get booked on something and then see where that goes. And now you might look at that now and you go, wow, there are only three networks. Uh, Fox was the fourth network that came on the air there. You know, there were only uh, 
one, two, three voices per network at the most. So it was a handful of people, uh, you know, doing it. On the one hand, you can go, well, gosh, you know, um, there, there, you had to be in Los Angeles. Sure, that's, there's a lot of competition and there's only a handful of people doing it. But the odds maybe are a little bit better than the fact that worldwide uh, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who want to do voiceover and you're in competition with all of them. Uh, but then you look at the fact that there were four networks then. Now there are thousands of uh, mm-hmm. cable channels and, you know, and outlets. And so there's a lot more opportunity. So it it just depends. I, I, I look at it now and I'm, I feel that, gosh, if I was getting into the business now, I would be as committed and I would work as hard. Uh, I feel that it would it'd be a little bit daunting because, you know, we didn't have voiceover conferences. There weren't 750 people getting together in Atlanta and talking about voiceover. It, w- it was unheard of, you know. And, uh, and also, I come from the side where I was already in the union. So I was able to audition for, you know, the big gigs, you know, for network television, for union commercials and, and things like that. Um, but then, then again, being in the union, it stops you from all of these other opportunities that you can get with online casting in the non-union side. It's a it's a crazy world. <laughs> well, yeah, with, the, with the union thing, you 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 add another element because you have the right to work states, and people can be yeah. union and non-union. So it just goes another step forward. Absolutely, and, and there there are so many other ways where you can work both sides uh, of the game, and. Um, you know, and that creates a lot of opportunity for for people. But I, if I look at it at the overall, I think if I look back to when I was starting, there were not a lot of opportunities. There were only a couple of slots. You know, there there weren't very many lanes. You know, to get into. And today there are hundreds and hundreds of lanes. Sure, there's a lot more people. But I think that if you're dedicated to it and you work at it and you, you know, you trust yourself and you continue to learn, never stop learning. Um, you know, if you keep a positive attitude, I think that um, you can definitely be a success today, just as you know you could have back back then when I was starting out. A penny for your thoughts. Joe, is there anything that you would want to change nowadays? If if, if Joe Cipriano had a a voiceover magic wand and could <laughs> cast any kind of spell of change on the industry, what would it be? Free donuts in every studio. <laughs> and I'm waving my wand right now. Here it is. Hey, watch where you point that thing. <laughs> um, is there anything that I would change? I, uh, I have to admit that, you know, in talking with, with the differences, uh, I have a lot of empathy for, for people who are starting out in, in the voiceover industry. And... You you can tell when when I meet people um, at conferences, you can tell people that are are on a path uh, to success, and it's there are a number of things involved. There's you know the talent, uh, how seriously they're taking it, just how aware they are of what the industry is, and I I, I wish there was a way to help those people that are are that that get it and that are working extremely hard at it and that want it so desperately 
um, there are a lot of people out there. And sometimes just the sheer volume of the amount of people out there makes it difficult for for the ones that are, are, are very serious about it and, and, and really want to make this their life's work and their passion. So I wish I could wave a little wand and, and help those folks a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny because when I, when I thought of this question to ask Joe, Bobby, I'm addressing you with this, is I knew or I suspected that Joe would come from the heart. And that's exactly <laughs> where it came from. And, you know, empathy for the people that are grinding and, and yes. they're working at it, yeah. really serious about their craft. And Absolutely. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything different from Joe Cipriano. Well, thank that's, you. And, that's amazing. And you know what? Quite frankly, the donuts help. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all seriousness, I mean, if you took 100 people and asked their opinion of Joe Cipriano, I would be willing to bet that uh, upper 90s would say he is a real legit guy and uh, he, he gets on your level and just, you know, there's no high flutin' about Joseph Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> well, I met you the first time at the Midwest Midwest Voice oh, yeah. Conference sure. in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. And I couldn't believe you were showing me how to do promos. And I'm going like, do you know who this is? <laughs> and, he, and you're awesome. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Bobby. You know, I and I, I do. I love that. I love when I'm doing a, a workshop about promos. You know, and when when I did it with Bobby as well. And whenever I do it, I bring actual network promos with me. I do it as if it's a network session. Um, whether it's an ISDN session or if you're in person, you're reading to picture. You know, obviously, if you're I- ISDN, you don't see the picture. But I want it to be a real-world experience, you know, so that um, not only, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot going on when you're doing promo. Uh, the first thing is it feels like you're on a freight train. You know, the spot <laughs> starts, and you're just constantly trying to keep up. And then when you finally master that, then it's like, oh, yeah, I have to do something with the words, too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a lot going on. Yeah. That's true. And and I'll just recount quickly. My first time meeting Joe was uh, just getting off the uh, train in France. And uh, we all <laughs> arrived for the JMC retreat about the same time yeah. to be picked up. And uh, I went over and uh, said hi to Joe. And Joe was just a ray of sunshine. Just <laughs> did he say on... bonjour? <laughs> no, he did not. He said buongiorno. <laughs> buongiorno. <laughs> buongiorno, signore. Oh, yeah. uh, we had just come in from Italy, a... I think. And Anne and I were, were there. And I think Dave Fenoy and his uh, wife. Mo and there are a whole bunch of us. Yeah, exactly. And that was the first time meeting you guys, and uh, it, it was just amazing. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, a little uh, radio tease coming up in just a second. We're going to get Joe on a cold read challenge. And uh, <laughs> Joe, if you're up for that here, coming up in a couple of minutes, I'm going to shoot you a script. Okay. You just kind of uh, look over the direction really quick and then dive into the read. I love if it. you're up for that. Okay. Um, yeah. Going to have a lot of fun with that. And speaking of radio, you're still doing uh, a lot of radio imaging, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I love uh, staying involved in radio. And it's something that Bobby alluded to earlier about, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, I, I've been there when I was the voice of the Fox network. And at the same time, I was the voice of the CBS network. So that was kind of like a, a unique um, sort of opportunity. And I kind of thought, you know what? This is a this is a pretty good biz. I like this. I'm <laughs> I'm the voice of Fox. I'm the voice of CBS. And what I did was I just kind of relied on that, and I stopped looking 
for other opportunities because I was so busy. And I figured, well, this could go on for forever. And guess what? It it doesn't. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I lost uh, the CBS gig. And uh, thankfully, it came back to me about a year later. Uh, and I went on to do it for another eight years. But when I lost it, it was more than half of my income was gone. And it was then mm. that I said, okay, I'm never going to do that again. So I'm always looking for different genres that I feel that I can be successful in. And it's different for, for all of us, you know, depending upon our skills and, and what our interests are. But for me, um, live announcing and doing things like the Emmys, the Grammys, and all of those shows, that was something that then I said, okay, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to also go after in-show uh, kind of narration. Uh, I enjoy doing that. Game shows. I really like doing game shows. I'm going to put myself out there for that. And then radio imaging was kind of like a natural for me because it just kind of happened to, to me while I was still in radio and just starting in voiceover, doing a couple of radio stations here and there. And uh, I still keep up uh, radio imaging because, you know, I, I look at a lot of these things. If we look at it financially and creatively, creatively, I love doing a lot of different genres because it opens you up and, and you stretch. Financially, it, it it opens up the you know the income streams so that if you lose something, it doesn't hurt as much. So with uh, radio imaging, it's something that uh, I enjoy doing. It fits perfectly into my day because I'll get emails from my radio stations, and it I'm usually working every day on. A few of the radio stations. I think I have about 25 right now. So it all oh, evens out. And, you know, it's just enough. It's not too much where it really bogs you down and, and you, you you can't do anything else. And I'll get an email. And the deal is I'll always get it back within 24 hours. And usually I get it back within a few hours. And I can slot that in my day. Like before our conversation here uh, in the morning hours, I usually that's when I do my radio imaging. And I have a couple of cable networks that like to book in the morning. And then I can do my network stuff and uh, other things after one o'clock when those things start to get hot. So uh, radio imaging is fun and, and I love being a part of it. It's really great. Are most of your jobs through your agent? Uh, you know, get a, acquiring those stations and that or, or do you have other avenues? Yeah, I'm, a lot of it comes that way. Most of it, and this is what's so fun about a, a lot of voiceover uh, work begets work, you know. They mm -hmm. somebody hears you on. Uh, I was doing Pictionary, you know, with Alan Thick years ago in the <laughs> in the nineties, and you know, another Deal or No Deal came on the air in two thousand. They had heard me doing that. It, it's it's, and then when I was doing Deal or No Deal, one versus a hundred came on the air, and they go, "Let's get that guy." And so, work begets work is, is a lot of it, and in radio. Uh, uh, program directors move around, you know, yeah. and uh, like I have one program, Chris Ebbett, who I love. I worked for him at uh, K Earth 101 in Los Angeles. I think I've done like six radio stations with him over the past uh, 15 years. That's uh, a great relationship. Nice. Market yeah. to market to market to market. And uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot where your agent might bring you an audition. But I find that a, a lot of it is just programmers and what they call now format captains, you know, like uh, Entercom will have uh, a certain uh, 
program director who's in charge of all of the classic hit stations for the entire uh, company. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're always looking for people, uh, you know, to do their imaging. So um, it's kind of a mix, you know, but a lot of it is work begets work. That's great. Joe, is there any uh, is there any genre that might surprise us where you work with uh, any amount of regularity? I don't do porn as much as I used to. <laughs> Hi-yo! <laughs> as much as he used to. As much as he used to. <laughs> Speaking of Cipriano's big wand. <laughs> How about hip-hop? Um... <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, now, do you work on any e-learning or do you do any telephony or anything like that? You know, I, I, I don't. And I think part of it is, listen, I, you know, I, I really believe that you have to put your mind towards something. I don't, I don't know if if um, if that kind of genre would come to me. Um, but if if it was something that I thought, you know what, this is something that I would like to add to the genres that that I enjoy doing and that and that I want to go after, uh, I think it would take the effort. Um, I certainly, it's not like I poo-poo anything. Um, right. <laughs> if, if it's if it's something that I feel that hmm, you know, I I think I can not only uh, add something to this, enjoy doing it, and then maybe even have a little bit of a success with it. Um, I I would, you know, I, I I'm open to any kind of opportunities. And uh, but other than the ones that I just mentioned, um, you know, long form narration, I don't do a lot of it, but uh, I'll do it every once in a while. Um, Audio books. You did your own book, right? I did. Did our book. Yeah. um, Yeah. um, Living on air adventures in broadcasting. And I enjoyed doing that. But, you know, it's 60,000 words. And wow. And thank God, A.J. McKay. And I had uh, Maurice Tobias, who directed and Greg Chun, who did the uh, original music for it, it was a it was a big project. And uh, yeah. I, I, AJ has you know some sort of account of I don't know how many thousands of emails that went back and forth, you know, because wow. he did all the uh, sound design on it. And I really wanted it to be something different, a little bit more of a radio uh, kind of drama or comedy, or you know, rather than just spoken word. But as far as doing other audiobooks, I, you know, I don't know. That's uh, I, I had a taste of it, and that's a lot of work. I, you know, I'm very good it's friends. A bad with, taste. Yeah, <laughs> very good friends with Scott Brick, who is unbelievable. We were we just went out yes. to Musso and Frank's uh, last week, and uh, we were talking about that and talking about, you know, when he, he with when authors uh, actually seek out Scott, they want him. To be the voice of of their of their book of their novel, and uh, he he, he it, it, you got you have to be in a certain mindset. Uh, some people it would be very difficult to be in a booth and work hours upon hours. And Scott loves it, and mm. he brings so much to it. And there's so many other um, narrators who who do that. So uh, you know, to each your own, uh, and. Um, I don't know if I would I would do that again. I had enough with doing my own book. <laughs> I understand that. Well, Joe, we won't keep you too much longer. Um, if if you're ready, uh, yes, I'm going to shoot ready. you the email I for the ready. cold read challenge. You just I just sent it. You just pull that you bad just boy sent up. It. Okay, all right, here we go. Cold read challenge. And if 
It's a, it's a Word document. Just pull it up. If you don't mind, read the direction aloud and mm-hmm. then fire away. Oh, here it is. It just it just came in. I'm opening it up. It says cold read challenge. Direction enthusiastic energetic a la primetime comedy network promo. Well, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is interesting. The the copy is a little bit oh, uh, okay, I see. So, just keep in mind that the direction is enthusiastic, energetic, like a primetime comedy. Here we go. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. 98% of us will die at some point in our lives. The darkness is creeping towards you, whether you know it or not, so a little planning can go a long way. Listen, leaving your big old corpse behind for your loved ones to deal with just ain't cool. That's why you should call McCready Funeral Services. McCready's, they'll find the hole and build the box. Bodies that look so good, you're going to want to talk to it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just got to look at this first line again. 98% 8% of us will die at some point in our lives. Yeah. Joe, hmm. do you know what this is from? This is it, we're, we're, We do this and we pull these from somewhere. Okay. This is at the end of Talladega Nights when oh, no Will Ferrell and John yeah. C. Riley are riffing. This is one of their endorsement deals they got. Uh, and so that's the copy they're reading. Yes, during the credits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's oh, it. Oh, my God. That's Funny. great. Oh. That's it, man. <laughs> nice job, Joe. Thank you. Oh, Listen, if you can fantastic. sell death uh, enthusiastically and energetically. <laughs> I love it. 98% of us will die at some point in our lives. <laughs> oh, my. Joe, we're going to let you go here, but just some final words of encouragement and, and uh, to help people that, uh, you know, maybe are new to this, this business or, or they're grinding it out. What can you share you know, briefly as a closing uh, thought. You know, uh, and, and we, we talk to so many uh, people um, at, at all different levels in their career, uh, whether they're just starting out or, you know, they're, they're at a kind of like a halfway point where they're, they're working a few times a day. I think no, no matter what is that commitment, you know, and, and belief in yourself that you can do this because, you know, it, it's so overwhelming. There is so much out there, so much information out there. It seems that everybody in the world is, you know, is a coach, you know, and, and wants to give you uh, some sort of, you know, um, information about how you can make it in the business. I think you have to be smart about it. I think the fact that we call it a business, you really have to embrace that. If you treat it like a business, and you show up every day and you put the hours in and you continue to, to grow, you continue to uh, take classes and, and work on it. I always tell people, listen, even if you can just put one hour a day uh, into it, just do the one hour. You'll be surprised if you never miss a day how you can move yourself forward. It's just a matter of committing to it. Quick little story. It was in, in the book, uh, I had an acting teacher, Wayne Dvorak, who said that there are the gods of making dreams come true up in the heavens. And all they want to do is make people's dreams come true. 
And when you're working on your voiceover career, for example, and you're working on it every day, and while you're working on it, there's a little red light on top of your head that glows really brightly. And that way, the gods of making dreams come true can see you down through the clouds, and they see that you're working. But then you miss a day, you know, you get a little busy, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not just going to work on on the VO thing mm-hmm. today. And then your light starts to dim a little bit, and maybe you don't do something for a couple of days, and the light goes out. Well, the gods of making dreams come true can't find you; they can't see you. It's the people who work on it every day. And that light shines brightly. Those are the people that are going to find success in the business and have their dreams come true. I love it. Let's get worthy. And let me say something else, Kevin and Bobby. Yeah. You know, with what's going on right now with coronavirus and and all of the the cancellations of sporting events. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unprecedented. Oh, yeah. We've never seen anything like this before, yeah. but I think it's, it's correct that, that we're doing it. So there's the NBA has been, has been postponed mm-hmm. at, at the time that you and I are, are chatting. Uh, there's talks that uh, maybe major league baseball will have to be postponed. And that's for happened. A while. Yeah. Uh, NHL. Um, it just goes on and on and on. And of course, we're seeing it in in our business, in in the voiceover business, with the cancellation of conferences. And you know, again, it's the right thing to do. But here's what's so cool about being in the voiceover community, and, and that is that we've always been so incredibly supportive uh, of one another. Yeah. You know, my colleagues, the people that I work with, who do network promos and who are, you know, on on. Uh, movie trailers and working at, you know, very high-level commercial um, big companies, we've always looked, all the people that I know, we always look for opportunities to help out people who are coming into the voiceover industry. And whether that is by sharing our knowledge or, um, you know, going to conferences and, and talking to them, Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were doing the, the first Don LaFontaine voiceover lab fundraiser that was at our house. Ann and I had opened up our house for that. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty big fundraiser. We had about 220 people that, that came. Wow. And uh, we had silent auctions and there were all kinds of opportunities to uh, give so that we could create the uh, the voiceover lab in Don's name. And I remember the president of the SAG Foundation, that's who we were doing it with, sitting in my living room as people were streaming in the house. And she said, I've never seen anything like this before. And all of the other entertainment facets wow. where the Screen Actors Guild Foundation is involved with, with actors who are on camera in movies and TV shows and, and and on and on and on. She had never seen this kind of support from the entire group in a genre of the entertainment industry. So cool. And I'm saying this because, listen, Gerald had to cancel a voiceover or postpone voiceover Atlanta. That was a big decision. Yeah. And I'm sure financially that's going to be a burden. Yeah. Uh, the WWRS, the radio uh, summit, which was going to happen the same week and weekend of voiceover Atlanta, that's been postponed. But here's the cool thing, and I said this to Gerald, and I want to say it to everyone listening uh, who is a part of the voiceover industry or is working to get into it. We're the kind of people that are going to be there when Gerald um, reschedules 
and VoiceOver Atlanta is coming back later this year. I know I'll be there, and I know that the entire VoiceOver community is going to be there. I told Gerald, I said, get ready. I think this is going to be the biggest VoiceOver Atlanta ever because people are going to show up. People are going to be there to support and to encourage and I'll be there to coach and I'll be there to meet people and share knowledge and just have fun, yeah. you know, and, uh, and enjoy and celebrate our community. So, um, listen, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on right now and it can be pretty scary. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, together, obviously, we'll, we'll get through it. So I just wanted to point that out. I mean, I think we're pretty fortunate uh, to be in a community like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. We are, Joe. We're blessed uh, beyond measure in that regard. And and uh, as you, it, I see it all the time. And I've been doing this uh, full-time 15-plus years now, and it's it still amazes me uh, what a tight-knit group of people that we consider colleagues. Not only competition, in a way, you know, there's that aspect. But first and foremost, we're here to help each other and to grow the industry and to lean upon one another. So thank you for saying that. It was perfectly stated. And and thanks again for being on the podcast today and giving your insight and your experience and, and sharing that story because it is a good reminder of what a great group of people that help make up this great voiceover community. Well, if you want to reach out to Joe for any booking, um, you can uh, go through his agent, uh, Atlas Talent Agency, or joecipriano.com and uh, find out all the information right there. Joe, thank you so much for your time and being on the Middle Class VO podcast today. Thanks, guys. And uh, congratulations. It's fun being with you guys. Thanks, Joe. Again, one of the best in the business. Just... uh, it never gets old no. hearing him and, and talking to him and, and just enjoying how cool of a guy he is and how giving he is to this industry that we all work in. Yeah, loves us some Joe. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, great job again, Bobby, as usual. And uh, make sure and join us again for our next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. Yep, and check us out on all the social outlets, too. We're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook, and we're on Podbean. And uh, subscribe, and just join us every time we have a new episode. We enjoy it. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's hair and makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The way we uh, we do like our own little clapboard sound, Joe, to sync everything. So if you will uh, follow Bobby and I's cue for yeah. our clapboard sound, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. And then uh, we'll we'll do the intro after that. Cool. So here we go. Um, caca. Caca. <laughs> caca. <laughs> you sounded injured.